0: What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Spencer, Uh, doing a redo of Friday's Delivering Sports show. I'm sorry about all those technical difficulties. Uh, I'm not going to be reshowing you what I did on Friday, like some of those segments. If you are interested in those original ones like uh, that I did with Brad uh, and everyone else, you can go on my YouTube page at uh, Delivering Sports. You just look it up. I'll be like on the top result, of course. Uh, and then we can go from there. But I wanted to bring on another guest today, someone who's going to be going through basically all these topics once again, but I wanted to do it live, and that is uh, Chris Wynn. He's here in the studio with me, the new studio, as I should say, which is really, really exciting. Uh, Chris, thanks for uh, joining the show today.
1: It's great to be here, Spence. What's going on, my friend?
0: Uh, just, just enjoying life and you know ready for a great show because there's a lot going on obviously this is kind of the prime time of sports it feels like and we'll start no one, none other than in the nfl draft and we'll go local here of course the uh, las vegas raiders had a bit of a interesting draft right you have mm-hmm. uh, the drafting of alex leatherwood a, a bit of a reach here in the first round and in the second round they end up moving and getting up what i consider to be the best safety in the draft i think there were a little bit of health concerns but it seems we have moved past that now. He seems to have moved past it, and I think the Raiders got a steal in the second. So, in reality, they draft a guy in the first round who's been in the second, and someone in the second should have been in the first.
1: It's pretty funny, though, Spence, because let's be honest. When they did make the pick for Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama in the first round, the initial reaction from a lot of, whether it was Las Vegas Raider fans, whether it was people in the media, whether it's was people that are just close to close to the organization – there was big surprise okay because alex leatherwood was thought to be a guy who could be possibly you know early second round at, at best and possibly into the middle of the second round so there was a lot of rationalization going around and people saying what well, what are they doing this is you know it wasn't to disparage leatherwood as a player because the guy has potential there's no doubt he has upside and he could end up being an all pro type of offensive lineman for much of his career but there were other people there that, uh, that you looked at any mock draft, okay, regardless of whether there were going to be trades or what was going to go on. And it is absolutely fair to say that Alex Leatherwood would not have been the pick there at number 17 for the Raiders. So it was looked at as a reach. I thought it was a reach. Could it, could it work out where it's a fine pick, and, he's a, and he ends up being a, a solid guy that anchors that, that line for the Raiders for many years? Absolutely, it could. And he could be that guy, but uh, I, I would even I would even say this, Spence, that they would have been uh, received much better if they would have drafted the guy Mooring, who they drafted in the second round in the first round. I they would have been you. fine, you know what I mean? But so I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's obviously a wait and see because it's the NFL draft. It's a wait and see. Yeah, you but know. there was a lot of people questioning that uh, it was uh, definitely not a value pick taking Leatherwood there at 17.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, is, I think Leatherwood is fine, and he will be the starting tackle for many years to come for the Raiders. And again, mm-hmm. like you said, he could be a probable caliber tackle. But The issue I have with the pick more than anything is – this is a problem that Mike Mayo created for himself. He let go of like half of the offensive line, if not all of them. I think there's like one returning starter. Colton Miller got the extension. I think they had released uh, Richie Incognito and re-signed him again on a smaller deal. But other than that, they ate cap on a lot of these guys who were Pro Bowl, if not All Pro caliber guys, making it a little more mysterious that you have to fix the problem that you've created, even when there's probably better prospects out there on the offensive line before him. So uh, I want to talk about the Raiders for just a quick second and. Mm-hmm. People talk about give Mike Mayock time, give Mike Mayock time. But as I've seen him and what I've seen him do, which is basically nothing if not make the team worse. I mean, you want to talk about this offseason. I just talked about the offensive line. And on top of that, he spent the rest of their free agency money on a backup running back. And Pro yeah. Football Focus, by the way, had an article that talked about how they have the best like one-two tandem. I don't care about one-two tandems about running backs anymore. We are well past that in the NFL, in my opinion, when – we don't have any starting caliber defensive tackles. Only one starting caliber linebacker, if you want to say that. Trayvon Mullen's okay at the corner position, but they're so deplete there. And Richard Sherman is still a free agent at this point, but they can't pay him. They're going to have to restructure some more contracts if they want to make that happen. And then uh, we can talk about the history of Mike Mayock and the whole Antonio Brown situation. You can go to uh, drafting Jonathan Abrams in the first round. Josh Jacobs, I think, was a reach in the first round as well. Cleveland Farrell, of course, was a complete Failure. Mm-hmm. I think he's ridden the coattails of Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro from one draft where he got lucky. So, how do you evaluate evaluate Mike Mayock, and what do you think that they like? How long should they give him before it's like, come on, this is awful?
1: Well, there's still, I, I think, there's still time when it comes to Mike Mayock, but there's absolutely room for criticism regarding him, and there has been, right? I mean, there already has been, and uh, as I pointed out, obviously, when you're talking about the NFL draft. Day 1 is 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 the first round. Okay? And the Raiders had one pick and you went on sports radio here in Las Vegas on Friday morning after after what went down the, the day before and people are already criticizing Mike Mayock, right? And they're already hammering him for the, the look and I went into how we still think he can be great. That's fine that's fine and dandy, but when it comes to the first round, people want value, right? And in some cases, depending on the team, you want to have somebody that's going to inject some excitement into your franchise. And that's not, those are two things. I think that the Raiders didn't get with their first round pick. So, um, but not to get too in depth as far as Mayock, I think he still has a little bit of a leash. You know, I don't think there there's any situation right now where the Raiders are looking to turn the page on him by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, you know, if, uh, if, they, if we have another ho hum season, you know, if they end up going, uh, you know, seven and ten, something along those lines, or you know, and are nowhere near contention in the AFC, then there's going to be real issues with him, and there's going to be uh, people calling for his head. So, uh, it it really just pay, it, it depends on how these these picks pan out and how the team chemistry wise responds here in 2020 21, or excuse me, 2021 22, uh, re- going forward.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'd like to pivot a little bit because you just talked about how successful they will be this season. And mm. we'll get right back to the NFL draft. But Aaron Rodgers did have a very short list of teams he'd like to be traded to. And the Raiders were did happen to be one of them. So we'll talk about the whole Aaron Rodgers situation in a mm. second. But specifically for the Raiders, would it even be worth it for them to trade for someone like Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to be that much of a difference maker to I mean, he has carried Green Bay, we know, for his entire career. The fact that he only has one Super Bowl is nothing short than a complete colossal failure on behalf of Green Bay. But the Raiders would have to give up Derek Carr, obviously, a bunch of first-round picks, second-round picks, the whole the whole lot for the, the 38-year-old quarterback. Could he do enough for Vegas and let's say, the next three seasons to make that worth it for them?
1: I think the short answer is yes. If you, if you can make a move to get a guy like this with, uh, with the personnel that you do have now, And you, you pointed it out. It'll end up being a lot of draft picks. It's not going to be, they're not going to trade Josh Jacobs. They're not going to trade most likely Henry Ruggs. right? Uh, They're not going to trade, you know, a couple of other younger pieces. I don't think it's going to end up being Derek Carr. And you mentioned Derek Carr. I mean, obviously he's a quarterback for quarterback. They're going to get, you know, Derek Carr has no, has no job here. If, if Aaron Rodgers is the guy. So that makes all kinds of sense. So I, I mean, look, I have no dog in the fight. I'm not a Raiders fan. Okay. I've covered the team for one season. And, uh, I think that, yes, you roll the dice and you make that move. You can, you can question and ask yourself, where does this put them in the AFC? Right. You can make the, I mean, it's a fair question to ask because there's still the chiefs out there. There's still other teams in the AFC that are, I would think that would be better. Even if you do have Aaron Rodgers here in Vegas, but, if there's some type of scenario out there that presents itself where you could get the MVP from 2000 from last season. And it happens to be Aaron Rodgers, who I think has probably three or four good years left at least in his career. I absolutely think you make that move.
0: Okay, well, let's think about it this way because you actually have to take the field and play the games because on paper, it's great to have Aaron Rodgers. I think the offense, of course, would probably be top three in the league. I think he'd find Henry Ruggs better than anyone else. He understands the deep ball, I think, from a fundamental, like attacking the defense. Josh Jacobs is fine. Kenyon Drake, of course. You know, pro football focus will tell you it's the best running back duo in the league. Uh, And then you have other weapons around, like Darren Waller would probably have like a 1,500-yard season with that. So I don't think the problem is going to be offensively. I have no doubt that Aaron Rodgers would play to an end MVP level with that team and put up the kind of stats to do that. The only problem is you don't have a defense. You have like one of the least talented defenses in the NFL and I don't know why Aaron Rodgers would be willing to succumb to that kind of thing because it's not getting any better. They are against the cap. He would be protected. He would be great for himself but I think he's sick of that. I guess the idea is that Green Bay has not given him any weapons in so long. He's so desperate to be a part of a team with that kind of offense. And of course him and John Gruden would be masterminds together. But I just don't think you can win football games the way the Raiders are currently constructed. They can't cover anybody. And they were putting up like 32 points a game last season. That's extremely impressive. And, The thing with John Gruden that I always say is he could. the only thing John Gruden can't do is put the ball in his hands and throw the football. He knows where it's supposed to go, and I think that connection would be great. But again, their defense is so horrendous. I don't think you can carry a team, certainly to a deep postseason run, which when you trade for Aaron Rodgers, that's what you're banking on. You're banking on a Super Bowl or either an appearance at the very least, and I don't think that's even physically possible to do with the Raiders.
1: I think you make some excellent points that it's tough to argue with, Spence. But you, you pose a question to me from the
0: standpoint of the Raiders, right? And yeah. what the Raiders
1: would want. Obviously, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you know, and by the way, we're talking about the NFL here. There's no no trade clauses. Yeah. There's no, you know what I mean? Sure. The, so if the Green Bay Packers, you know, they're going to make the best deal possible that they can make if they're going to trade him, which we don't even know they're going to trade him yet. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we understand that they're putting it out there, both the general manager, uh, uh, Lafleur, all these guys are saying how there's no way we don't want we don't want to part with with Aaron Rodgers, which makes total sense. Okay, he just won the MVP. He's your leader of your team. He's the face of your franchise. So from their standpoint, they don't even want to trade him right now, but they may be pushed into a position. And I'm sure we're going to get into this as far as like the dynamics and what can take place. But like. I'm just talking about it from the Raiders standpoint is if they're going to make a move to get him, And if you're going to have him here, they're not looking at it from a standpoint of our defense is awful and we can't stop anybody. They're looking at it from the standpoint of we're getting Aaron Rodgers, the MVP last year to replace basically Derek Carr. We're going to give up a lot of draft picks and we're going to give up, we're going to give up assets, but we're we're figuring the trade-off is going to be beneficial to us as a franchise. And I know it may sound crazy, it's not always about the wins and losses, right? It's not always about the wins and losses, sure, especially, especially when it's Aaron Rodgers coming to Vegas, you know, and coming to the AFC because because he's he's never going to get traded to an FC team. It was never going to happen. No. He was never going to the Niners, as 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 poetic as that seemed, you know, being in West, you know, yes. being a Bay Area guy and all that. The, the 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 Packers would never trade him to the Niners. in the conference? It, it'd be Ludicrous. it'd be moronic beyond all belief if they went that direction. So if he does get traded and that's a big, if he's going to end up in Denver, uh, a small possibility here in Vegas, and maybe even, and, and if there is an NFC team Spence, if there's is an NFC team, it's going to be the saints. Okay. So that to me, that's, that's the only options we're talking about here. But in the end, if you're the Raiders going, getting back to the Raiders and circling, circling this around, uh, the Raiders are viewing it as a, as an addition not so much about their defense, which they were able to address some pieces in the, in the draft, obviously, uh, later on in the draft, as far as their defense. And you pointed it out. The defense is bad. It's horrible. And it's they just, horrendous. cut. by the way, they just cut Jeff Heath too. you know, the safety. Who was their they best just wait. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, you're getting rid of a guy who was on the field and playing for you last year. Yes, the defense was bad, but I, I, I don't really see a whole lot of logic there. Uh, the defense is not going to be good next year either. So we'll see how that all shakes out.
0: Yeah, so we we'll, we can transition over to the, a more generic Aaron Rodgers. And as of right now, Green Bay says they're not even taking calls. They took one call from Paxton, which I don't even know why, maybe just to taunt them to say no because they dislike them so much. Yeah. But come on. I mean, he is 38 years old now. I mean, he's going to be probably thir- turning 39 during the season. And I know he played to an MVP level, and he's still very good. He will be good for the next three years. But mm-hmm. do you think Green Bay has – position themselves to make a Super Bowl run this season I mean they've been handily taken out like leading up to the Super Bowl now they have made the playoffs that's kind of a given with Aaron Rodgers. but if you're not going to win a Super Bowl and you kind of realize that now and you've traded up to take Jordan Love last year if I mean his value is only going to get worse as he gets into his 40s why aren't they taking phone calls for Aaron Rodgers right now they should be taking this a lot more seriously than I think they are.
1: You want to look at this negatively, or you want to look at this positively? Half glass, half glass full, half glass empty. First off, half glass empty. Okay, Packers haven't given them any help. Okay, they ha- they haven't drafted guys that they need to draft. Okay, they've gone other directions, i.e., a quarterback last year early on in the in the draft, which was you know uh call it what call it what you will as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned but they basically picked his successor right in the draft last year they haven't made any significant moves as far as the wide receiver position yes they have Devonte Adams there in Green Bay okay yes they have a couple tight ends that are good yes they have Aaron Jones who is a stud as a running back and now he's flipped to the glass half full they were in the NFC championship game last year okay Edward. obviously because Aaron Rodgers a big part of that is Aaron Rodgers playing at MVP level OK, and Aaron Jones having a breakout season and, you know, and, you know, Devontae Adams doing what Devontae Adams does. But, uh, yeah, so so from a positive standpoint, they're right there. They were right there last year. They lost to the Super Bowl champion in Tampa Bay. Um, does that obviously translate to them doing that this year? Not necessarily. Um, and now you have this scenario where you have a quarterback who is unhappy and a quarterback who's got other interests. We just saw him a matter of days ago hosting Jeopardy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like time, he, says. this is a guy who, aside from being a quarterback, right, and and being, uh, you know, one of the best, if not arguably the best quarterback right now in the NFL. Um, he also, you know, is a guy that can be a game show host, and that uh, if he wants to, if he wanted to get drastic, he could just say, "I'm retiring," and just go host Jeopardy for a year and then maybe kind of feel things out and and see what he could do as far as, uh, as far as making a move in the NFL again. Um, So from a Packers standpoint, which is what you're, what you're bringing up. uh, I think that they're, they're a team that was in the NFC championship game last year with him. And I'm just flabbergasted at how this is all shaken out. And the timing of it was just weird. Wasn't it Spence? Because it all went down right before
0: the draft. I think it was trying to, it was to right to for the draft to draft a receiver yeah. in the first round. And they still didn't do it.
1: And it, they still, they still, it wasn't, I don't know if it was thumb in their nose at Aaron Rodgers, or it was just taunt. It wasn't taunting him. It was just a matter of, you know, we're going to make our decisions and we're not going. And, and it's almost like they have a disregard for him when it comes to making personnel decisions. And in today's NFL, you know, this as much as I do. The, the quarterback in the NFL is big time when it comes to, you know, the impact that these guys have and and the, uh, their importance in the franchise. It's not like it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, pre social media, pre, you know, the, the atmosphere that we're in today where quarterbacks, and I'm not talking about, you know, the run of the mill below average guys who, you know, are playing the quarterback position on NFL teams. Talking about the Brady's and talking about the Aaron Rodgers and talking about the Pat Mahomes, I'm talking about guys like that, they have and and I think rightfully so have a lot of clout in the organization, and there seems to be this idea that they're that Aaron Rodgers is getting that uh, that pulled away from him a little bit in Green Bay, a lot of it, uh, not a little bit, a lot of it in Green Bay, and he feels disrespected at some point. You know, and I I don't know if you saw what Terry Bradshaw said about him and, you know, basically calling him weak because of, you know, the way that he's the way that he's taken the fact that they drafted a quarterback last year, obviously, in Jordan Love and and a lot of personnel decisions that doesn't that it doesn't look like uh, Aaron Rodgers is even in the loop. And I'm not making a judgment as to whether or not he should or shouldn't be. I'm just pointing out what appears to be the obvious he's not very happy with the Green Bay Packer organization and the direction they're going or the efforts that they're making, particularly on the offensive side of the ball for him. And and also, I think the draft pick may have something to do with it. I don't, I don't know how much. But Spence, I mean, you're a superstar quarterback. Are you really going to be threatened by a guy they drafted You know, last year when you know you're a – you point out he's 38 years old. You know what I mean? You're like you're you're gonna be looking at you're mainly looking down the road for a quarterback. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with Aaron Rodgers being that upset about the drafting of love up in Green Bay. But it doesn't matter what I think, it just matters what his what his feelings are there. And it it appears that uh it's a it's and it doesn't just appear that way. It is a bad situation right
0: now in Green Bay, and I don't know if it's something that gets fixed. I think you have to contextualize what he was so upset about. I mm-hmm. think if, he had, if Jordan Love had fallen to them, it may not be such an issue. I think the first round was part of it. But I think them trading up to get an asset and it not yeah. being something for him is what upset him the most, being that he may have thought that they're trading up to take Justin Jefferson. And could you imagine if Justin Jefferson was on Green Bay now? They may have won, gone to the Super Bowl. They weren't that far off I yep. mean, last year they did get outplayed in the second half, but you don't know when you have an, I mean, he made Justin Jefferson made all pro in his rookie season. Something that is rarely seen. had one of the best rookie seasons like ever. And from a receiver standpoint, at least. So there's that. And I, and I'll, I do want to talk about kind of this unprecedented time of player management relationships. Cause we also saw that with Russell Wilson mm-hmm. earlier this season where he went on Dan Patrick to kind of voice his concerns. And I think the NBA is a lot more developed in that sense where LeBron has fired coaches. They basically have the, the complete say. And I think it's the problem is it's a lot easier in the NBA. There's only 11 guys on that roster. So it's a little bit of a more intimate atmosphere, but I think green Bay needs to meet him down the middle because when you don't, you have him threatening to retire. And I think he might be serious now what he want to pay back, but I think $40 million, probably not. It's more, I think of a smokescreen, but he's trying to get the general manager fired. And that's what happens when you push someone so far when all they're asking for is a little bit of help in the first round, uh, so it, it is a really interesting situation. We'll see. Do you think he actually could retire? Do you think he'd be willing to pull the trigger and lose that much money? I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's likely, though. Um,
1: you bring up an interesting point, though, about you know the general manager and the comments he's made and, and the kind of backdoor way that he – I don't know if it was his reps or his agent that put it out there that he wanted the general manager fired in Green Bay. And obviously, there's a lot of chatter over sports radio here the last week or so about – having that ability. Right. And he would be, he would be end up being like the first player ever in NFL history that would be able to get a move made like that, where a front office person was fired because of, you know, the feelings of one player, you know, and look, we get it it's a quarterback, but I think that's absolutely preposterous to think that one player, you know, would be able to, in a position to get a general manager fired. I think that's completely ridiculous. And, uh, uh, I don't think that's cool at all The the, and that's the one beef I have with Aaron Rogers on this. I think if you're Aaron Rodgers and you have these feelings about your GM because of the moves he's made, or because you don't, you don't think that he's up to snuff for the job as general manager, you got to own it. You got to come out and you got to say that yourself. You don't do it. You know, sideways. You don't do it through your agent. You don't do it through representatives. You don't do it through PR people. You do it yourself. You man up and you go out there and you say, "Okay, I don't think this person should." Now, at the end of the day, I don't think you should do it at all. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think that's the quarterback or any player. It's their job or position to be going and talking about uh, not not only front office people. I don't think players. Should be going and saying, "I don't want this guy in the team, or this guy doesn't shouldn't be here. This guy should be gone. This guy should be gone." Now, you're as a player, that's not your job. That's the job of the general manager and the head coach to do that, or the coaching staff to do that. It's not the player's decision. And there was talk about this earlier with uh, Michael Irvin back in the uh, mid '90s with the Dallas Cowboys. Apparently, he was walking around the locker room one time with with one of the fish, offic- one of the uh, officials from uh, the Cowboys. He was trying to say how this guy should be out of here. And this guy needs to be out of here. This guy needs to be out of here. I mean, that's all be complete BS Spence. In my opinion, that that should not be happening. Okay. Players, that's not your place. All right. That's not your decision. And I don't care if you're Tom Brady or if you're Pat Mahomes, or if you're the third string guy on the defense, you shouldn't be doing that. So that's why I have a problem with, I have a problem with Aaron Rodgers in that respect, as far as the whole deal and the way he, that he that he's dealt with that uh as far as the GM's concerned. But as far as him, I, I have no problem with his beef with the Packers as far as the personnel decisions, as far as you know, the transactions that have taken place. We've talked about them. And therefore, I I would say th- I gotta be honest, Spence. I think it's it'd be a it'd be good for everybody, uh in some way, much much less so for the Packers, but it obviously, be great. I, I think it would be know. better for I mean. for uh, Aaron Rodgers to maybe be maybe go to another team and maybe be in a different type of situation, and uh, and but again, I I don't think there's I think there's only a, a, a few teams that it could it could possibly be a uh, a win win situation for.
0: You think Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl left in him? I think he's dead serious about all these side projects. He's on the Pat McAfee show on a weekly basis, yeah. even during the season. Now he wants to, he says he thinks he can do Jeopardy full time and football. That's just not realistic, at least not from a Super Bowl winning standpoint. So do you think he still has another run left in him? Like, truly, not, not getting to the NFC Championship game, getting to the Super Bowl, and not only being there, but winning? I'm a Detroit Lions fan, so obviously there's going to be some
1: implicit bias here on my account. I do think he does have one left in him. He has. He, I think he does have an opportunity, say, if he goes to the Denver Broncos, right? Or if he goes to the New Orleans Saints. I absolutely think he has a chance. Um, obviously, it's dependent on where he is. If he ends up staying in Green Bay, there's going to be some mending that's going to have to happen, I think, obviously. I don't think it takes any rocket scientist to figure that out, that if he does stay in Green Bay, uh, for them to make a Super Bowl run, there's going to be have to be some kumbaya stuff going on there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, the short answer is yes. I think he does have it left in him. And... I mean, you could take a look at it from the perspective also of there's there's just a lot of people out there gunning, and for a Super Bowl, i.e., a team with a chip on their shoulder like the Chiefs, a team like the Baltimore Ravens, a team like maybe the Indianapolis Colts, a team like uh, the Cleveland Browns, teams you know, uh, teams like the New Orleans Saints. I mean, there's just there's there's teams out there that are going to have a shot to make a move. the, The Los Angeles Rams. So there's competition out there for them, but. To answer your question, Spence, yes, I do think that in the right situation, absolutely, Aaron Rodgers could be the guy that's the gen- the
0: field general to lead a team to a Super Bowl. I think the Saints would probably be the only one I'd be willing to accept, although they'd have to give up a tremendous amount, and maybe maybe even Lattimore. But that was mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Rodgers' talk. There, we'll transition back into the draft, and somebody who's also been criticized for not caring all the way about football is, uh, you know, the first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like about his about the whole? drama that went down before the draft like does he have the uh juice does he not care enough about football or is this guy just doing his business and he's going to take care of it when it's time
1: i think he is a generational talent i think as of right now making an having an analysis on trevor lawrence how can you not expect him to be a franchise quarterback that is uh, probably one of the top talents in in the last 25 years i don't understand how you can't have that viewpoint given his resume in college, he can only do what he can do in college. I mean, and the, and the guy was unbelievable. You could argue he's the, you know, he's a top two or three quarterback of all time in college football. So, and he's got credentials. He's got, he's got the national championship. He's got the Heisman trophy. He's got all that. Um, the reason I question as, as anyone would, would is you're going to Jacksonville. Okay. Okay. You're going to the Jaguars and outside of a couple of, AFC championship game appearances back in the early two thousands. Right. And late nineties where those guys are all grandfathers now, basically that played on those teams. Um, this is not a franchise that is littered with success. Let's put it that way. Sure, Yeah. And it is not an atmosphere that is conducive to winning. It doesn't have a, you know, they don't have a winning culture in Jacksonville. Um, it's a, it's a franchise that has flirted with moving many times and still may move. So, you got to like some of the pieces though that they added there. Obviously they added weapons at the wide receiving core there with uh you know picking up the likes of Marvin Jones and and uh and we understand what they have at the running back position and and defensively they're solid. So I think they're going in the I, I think they're going the right way there in the right direction. But uh it's the proof's going to be in the pudding. It's it's going to be what you can do on the field and you're talking about a coach that's making the transition from the broadcast booth and oh, by the way, he's making the transition from the broadcast booth and then from college football to the NFL, and that's we've seen uh, that can be a dicey situation across the board there. So, um, obviously, you got some familiarity in the draft too, as they tra- dra- they drafted Travis Ntien, the, the running back there. So he's going to have his uh, his backfield mate there that he had in college. It's going to be interesting, to say the least, to see what happens. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not holding out hope anytime soon that they're going to be a contender, but I fully expect with him at the helm that there should be uh
0: there's reason for optimism for Jacksonville Jaguar fans that he's their quarterback. Yeah. The urban Meyer situation really is interesting because if you look <laughs> at the way he ran his offense, there are pro style offenses in the mm-hmm. NFL or in, in college football, but he did not run one of them. You want to go down the list of successful Ohio state quarterbacks that was under him. None of them translated to the NFL. So, He is obsessed with the game of football. That's the best part about it, I guess you could say and he'll have all the opportunity in the world to be successful. I do like a lot of their young pieces. I think they have one of the most desirable rosters. If you, if I was a free agent GM and I could have my pick of the litter, they'd be pretty high on my list. Talking about C.J. Henderson from last year, I think is a very good corner. And you can go down the list of their impressive defensive players, especially at the linebacker position. So I think they'll be fine. I really don't take too much to it. I mean, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, who's kind of had the same attitude now, and he's had a pretty darn successful career, I would say. Now, does that mean he'll win like five Super Bowls like Tom Brady? Maybe not. I think you do have to be a little bit of a lunatic to be that successful like Tom Brady where football is your top priority. It's just not the way that it is for everybody. And you can even go to the the NBA and you want to talk about guys like that. Like I don't think Steph Curry, I don't think his top priority is, is – uh, basketball and that's just not that's something i think that you're born with i don't think you can develop what tom brady has but like the way he has dedicated himself to the game and the way he's developed his career trevor lawrence will will have an exciting rookie season he had some intangibles that you teach somebody two years into being a quarterback already like going into his uh, rookie season like being able to anticipate he actually is able to from what i've seen in tape read the body languages of defenses and know like where they're going to be covering it's it's absolutely insane so Hopefully he gets a good uh, offense to go along with it. Everybody excited, and I would be too if I was a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And hopefully, uh, you know they don't have to tank over and over again. Last year was kind of embarrassing. Well, a quick point on that
1: though, Spence. You're an NFL fan. I'm an NFL fan. We we cover the NFL. We, we follow the NFL closely. Think about it off the top of your head. I rack my brain of the last guy that came from college football into the NFL and was a successful head coach. It's tough to find. So the hard. latest coaches are all guys that have been NFL grinding, i.e. the Sean McVay's, right? Sean Payton, obviously, you know, uh, Andy Reid in Kansas City, uh, down the line, Bill Belichick speaks for itself. But but we're talking about people that have been in the NFL for, you know, uh, years and have been refining, so their, refining their coaching craft in the NFL. You don't see guys going in, you know, from co- the college ranks, and I mean, the last one I think of is obviously is, is Nick Saban is the one, you know, who went with, with the, with the, uh, with all the fanfare, you know what I mean? When he came out of college and went to Miami and they, and the expectation, cause his father was a coach and he was like, oh, he will be, he'll be, he'll be fine because he's, you know, he's, he's been versed in, in what the NFL is going to expect of him and what he needs to do in the NFL. He was not successful as an NFL head coach. And obviously he's gone back to college and, and cemented his legacy. But my point being is that uh, you want to talk about juries out. Uh, Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville. We'll see exactly what
0: happens with him as the head coach yeah, up there with, with Jaguars. It is it is interesting because he's kind of seemed like a done deal for a while. And I think he's very far from being a done deal. Uh, we'll go <laughs> down to the next quarterback who was taken. And, of course, that was one of the most interesting picks we've had in NFL draft history, I think. One of the biggest smoke screens I've ever seen in my lifetime. The 49ers take trade up to the third overall pick very early and they got their guy. Although I would like to talk to you with you about that a little bit and Trey Lance. Uh, Okay. Do you think Kyle Shanahan really wanted to trade up to take Trey Lance in this draft? Do you think that was his guy? You know,
1: it was hilarious and Spence. I think you can second this with me for about two weeks before the draft. We were talking about Mac Jones being like maybe a 10th, a 10th pick overall at the best. At best, the 10th pick overall. Then, like 72 hours before the draft, all of a sudden it was the Niners are a lock to take Mac Jones at number three. Yeah. And everybody was basically cementing three quarterbacks were going to go the first three picks, right? Obviously, you know, Trevor at first and then and then uh Zach Wilson to the Jets at number two. And then the Niners were gonna take Mac Jones. Uh there was kind of like dabblings about Trey Lance and a lot of us don't even know much about. I, I mean, we've seen some limited video of him. None of their games were ever on national TV, hardly at all. Like we, we like he was, a, he was a big mystery. Obviously, in today's day and age, we get to see video and we get to, see, you know, so we get kind of an idea about him. But we don't know how it's going to translate to to the. I was shocked, Spence. You know, I'm kind of you know uh, brass taxing it here. I was surprised that they end up going that direction. Because I thought for sure it was going to be Mac Jones as their pick. It, they were given every—I mean, you—you you mentioned the, the word smoke screen. It was the ultimate smoke screen, and I don't know how much it changed the top of the draft there, though, because like a lot of teams were locked in on their guy, and it kind of like it kind of transpired that way, right? Where teams kind of pick guys that you would expect them to pick. So it wasn't like one of those deals where it was a domino effect, where it was like, oh, uh, now we got to—you know—I want Mac Jones now, so we got to either try to trade up or move up. You know what I mean? It wasn't anything like that. So, uh, to, so, so short story, I, I was, I was very surprised that he was the pick there. And I still, uh, obviously we, we know about the athleticism. We know as far as, uh, you know, his work ethic. And we understand that he's, he's a good kid. He's somebody who, who absolutely, I think can take the reins of a franchise, but, uh, We'll find out. I mean, I, I it's it's all about what he can do in Shanahan's offense and and how he is going to uh, uh, end up being as far as a, a quarterback in San Francisco and see and and uh, you know I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna just use the cookie cutter description and say oh he's just a young guy who you know uh, comes from a small school that played no competition. I'm not gonna go that route. because there's we've seen plenty of quarterbacks uh, that got drafted late. In the draft, he got drafted in the sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, eighth round back when they had 10 rounds, um, where they were at hall of famers. So I think it was, uh, while it was a surprise, I, I think it could end up being a, a golden pick for the Niners.
0: It could be. It's a, it's a, it's a full risk, full reward type of uh, deal. And, uh, I think Tim Unglesby on Twitter, checking in Pete Carroll, last successful, uh, college coach. I think he's probably right. USC. I think he coached at, and, He's won Super Bowls, of course, Uh, but this is this is what I'll say. I think I actually think Kyle Shanahan is fine with picking Trey Lance, but I think what he wanted to do was not trade up to third overall and just have Mac Jones fall back to them because nobody was talking about Mac Jones in the third pick. It was like throughout the entire season. He had a great one, but look, he's very limited in what he can do. He's not going to be taking off, and I think that a lot of teams are pressured into uh, clearly now into taking these kinds of archetypal architectural quarterbacks. Like he's very similar to Pat Mahomes. He's like the mobile quarterback. He's probably a little more mobile than uh, Pat Mahomes was, but we saw in the Super Bowl, Pat doesn't mind (laughs) rushing for a hundred yards in a game if he has to. And I think it's also a good thing that he'll have a year to sit behind um, Jimmy Garoppolo, who has already reached out to him and, it's good to see that he's it's not going to be like a lot of animosity there. I think that's what Kyle Shanahan probably wanted all along. Um so the 49ers, I mean uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if I give up three first round picks for Trey Lance. I don't know if I saw enough game tape from him that would warrant such a thing because if they do not win a Super Bowl in the next 3 years either mm. with Jim, if if they win it this year with Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't even think the Trey Lance pick matters because who it's so hard to win a Super Bowl. It's so, so hard. <laughs> so if they do it this year, and it doesn't matter if he's sitting behind the bench and they just move on from Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason or they extend him. And they maybe they even trade Trey Lance if they win a Super Bowl and they just keep going on Jimmy Garoppolo. But I will say this, man. You better win a Super Bowl very soon, either with Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo, or you will fall f- so flat on your face, especially – if the Patriots have gotten their guy in Mac Jones and he is successful for them. Cause I think the Patriots are primed for a very good season next year. Half of their team opted out of the season and now everyone's going to be back.
1: He mentioned, of course, uh, Tim mentioned Pete Carroll. P-
0: isn't Pete Carroll kind of an outlier though, because Pete for Carroll
1: sure. started out in the NFL, basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was a head coach for the Patriots back in the nineties, then goes to college. Yeah, that's true. Kills it in college, right? Well, he wins the national championship, you know, with, uh, uh, a little controversy around the, the USC team obviously and then he goes to the NFL yes he won one super bowl with the Seahawks it was a great Seahawks team okay you got you gotta give Pete Carroll credit okay yes he won a Super Bowl but uh I mean I, I don't know it's it's yeah he's he's kind of like an outlier um, and family of o says well will Deshaun Watson play <laughs> again that's I, I absolutely I think he absolutely will play again we, get, we just got to see how this all plays out as far from a legal standpoint, right? And from what the NFL is going to do about all the legalities that are going on sure. regarding this, because this just kind of hit us upside the head with Deshaun Watson. It was almost like a, just a barrage of obviously very unfortunate and not good things for Deshaun Watson and for the Houston Texans franchise. This is a franchise that's in disarray right now. And so I don't even know what Deshaun watson's future is going to be whether it's in you know w- when he's going to play again or who he's going to play for again so it's a tough question i, I do think he's going to play again though uh, but
0: uh yeah it's, it's really it's, it's, it's interesting the deshaun watson situation because before i go into whether or not i think he should ever play again mm-hmm. uh, i want to ask you uh what do you think about the situation where the Texans were sitting on this information for whoever knows, who knows how long a year, maybe they they knew about it. Here's a franchise quarterback. So they kept it under wraps. And then they're the ones who expose it because of the trade talks. When I look at this, when I look at that situation, I've said this on my show before, I don't really care if they were or were not. It's his problem for doing these horrendous things. If he did them, of course, proven or, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But I don't, it doesn't really matter to me whether or not the Saint or the Texans were sitting on this or not. The real important issue here should be whether or not, like, he faces true punishment for what he did.
1: Well, to me, it's a snowball effect thing. You know, like, it's just, uh, like you said, innocent until proven guilty is the standard that we have here in the United States of America. So um, we can speculate till the cows come home as far as what, you know, the end result will be regarding Deshaun Watson. You have to look at it in two ways. You got to look at it from a perspective of the legal standpoint, right? And what's going to happen as far as that's concerned, whether it's civil or criminal, you know, because the Houston, and then you got to look at it from a football standpoint, the Houston Texans are going to look at this from a football standpoint. And by the way, anybody else that's looking out there to acquire Deshaun Watson also has to look at it from, uh, from, from both standpoints, but, but, it's the Texans who have to make the tr- who have to pull the trigger as far as the trade, right? If they're going to trade him or not trade him, uh, it has not been going back and forth, right? It's been basically the Texans saying that they don't want to trade him, that they're not going to trade him, right? And then all of a sudden, the, all the information came out, and now they can't trade him because no. his, you know, because all the leverage is gone and is, is is shot into the ground, so they can't. It, it just they're just put in a very tough spot. And now everything's just kind of in limbo, right? I mean, there just hasn't been any. Obviously, we have so much more information as far as the NFL draft, or everything else going on, that we haven't really talked about Deshaun Watson. But uh, I, I just think that you know it's it's going to be a combination of uh, time will tell as far as uh, as far as his legal issues, and then uh, will the Texans pull the trigger as far as far as a deal, and will will there be a team out there that will offer them enough where they're going to be willing to make a deal? You know, and so yeah. uh, outside of that, I don't really have much else to say on it because I it, there, I mean, there again, there's so much speculation going on. And so, you know, as far as as far as what could happen legally and uh, it almost overtakes all the football stuff and all the football analysis as far as, you know, what would be the best team for him to go to, you know, where would you know, where would, what, what what's the value that they would get like the Texans get if they traded him. And all this stuff, I mean, back, remember back when we were talking about the Jets and all the trap picks that they would give up to get Deshaun yeah. Watson and all the, I mean, it, it's almost like everything has just gone, uh, in the tank as far as all that stuff. And, and the right now it's almost like it's all in limbo as far as the value for Deshaun Watson. So, uh, it's kind of a wait and see attitude right now regarding him and, and whether or not he'll get moved and, and, uh, and what they will give up to, if they do move him.
0: Yeah, I this is the final say I'll have on this. If he mm-hmm. is proven guilty, it is on the it is the onus of the NFL to ban him forever. We, this is yeah. a perpetual problem where people have had domestic disputes, and this is sexual assault. You have to make it so these guys do not care about fines, penalties. They don't even like. There has been so many. Melvin Gordon two months ago got pulled over for a DUI mm-hmm. on camera, but mind you, and he's off scot free. Josh Jacobs here in Las Vegas, the same thing. Now, there wasn't film for that one, but he admitted that he had been drinking right before. And again, he as well is scot-free. So these guys don't care about these kinds of penalties. If you tell them they can't play in the NFL anymore and they can't make money, that's what's going to scare them from doing this. The fourth-round pick for the Titans already has been accused of punching a pregnant woman. They don't. If there's no punishment for them, a real punishment, then they're going to keep doing it. That's how I feel about it. That's the only way to truly punish these guys. And We'll have to see how the situation develops, but we'll transition back and we'll go into what maybe one of the most exciting draft picks of the first round. And the Chicago Bears moved up to get him, Justin yeah. Fields. If you're a Chicago fan, I mean, you can't be more excited. No matter what, no matter what, whether this works out or not, I have to give credit to the Bears front office because they made a huge mistake trading up and passing on Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes and taking Mitchell Trubisky and giving up assets to get that kind of guy. But they said, you know what, we made a mistake, and that's fine. We, ha- we are willing to admit our mistake, but we want to trade up again and put ourselves in a very vulnerable spot to get who we believe to be our next franchise quarterback. I think that's awesome.
1: That's a Chicago Bears franchise that has been playing musical quarterbacks as of late, right? And obviously, you draft Mitch Trubisky. that had high hopes for him. It didn't shake out. Now he's the backup in Buffalo. Uh, you bring in Nick Foles, a, a guy who was a Super Bowl MVP, and uh, it's not like he went out on the f- uh, and lit everybody's hair on fire on the field last year whatsoever. So they've decided that uh, he's not going to be the guy. Now they bring in Andy Dalton, and it was kind of hilarious because you talk to Chicago Bear fans, and you saw the reaction up there in the Windy City, and it was almost like, ho-hum, oh, wow, yeah. I mean, he's okay, but he's not going to you know, ruffle our feathers. He's not going to get us fired up as Bears fans that we have Andy Dalton now as our starting quarterback. So you did get the feeling, right, Spence, going in this draft that the Bears were going to look to make a move and pick up a signal caller in the draft. And that's exactly what they did. You knew immediately Spence, didn't you? You knew that second that they moved into that spot, that they traded into that spot, that it, they were going to take a quarterback. And I said, it right; I, I was down on the strip, uh, you know, glued to the TV watching this. And I'm like, they're absolutely 100% taking Justin Fields at the spot. And they did. And I think people are excited up there and they should be in Chicago because I think he's, he's an electrifying guy and there is no question that there's talent there. Now people talk about the epileptic seizures and all this other stuff, you know, the physical stuff. Uh, Obviously it's not uh, bad enough where the bears are sour on him by any stretch. So people are, are, are juiced up there. And I think rightfully so, because I think they may have the guy, that they may stick with for three, four, five years, as opposed to, uh, you know, throwing out everybody, like I said, from Trubisky to, to you know, in the last 15 years to Rex Grossman and all, you know, and 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 all, you know, the, the Orton's and the, all these guys who are Man, just, you know, run-of-the-mill, Spence, run-of-the-mill quarterbacks in Chicago where, uh, you know, they just, you, you just can't get, you, they're not franchise quarterbacks. And I think they really have a possibility here because I think, I honestly believe, and I'd like your opinion on this. I thought Justin Fields talent-wise was should have been a top five pick. I think I thought he was a top five pick talent-wise. Um I would have taken him before I took Trey Lance. That's my personal opinion. Obviously, different organizations have feel they have different needs at that position or different chemistry issues regarding head coaches or offensive coordinators, and he wasn't that guy that was picked there. But I don't think there's any in my in my opinion, he's a guy that should probably probably from a talent standpoint and from a resume standpoint should have gone top three in the draft as far as quarterback concerned. And uh, we'll see what he does up there in Chicago. I think that uh, the Bears fans are excited.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things, right? When you look at the scouting report for him. And the first one is that the the Ohio State simply just has not produced starting caliber quarterbacks in a very long time i think there's been like two that have mike been,
1: tomzak's not exciting to you. um a
0: long time let's <laughs> say that at the very least now i'm not saying who cares because you can't compare apples to apples you know yeah. like some what happened in 2002 is the same thing but that's the first one And i'm telling you right now that's that's on the back of some gm's minds right there the other part is he has he's has a lot of he has a long way to go with pocket awareness he took a lot of bad sacks in ohio state mm-hmm. but that's a part of being a rookie, I feel like. The other part is he doesn't have anticipation like a Trevor Lawrence, who is probably a generational talent. So he isn't the perfect prospect. But what he does have is he's one of the most accurate passers. He was last year in college football. I don't think people really understand that. I think the only deep passer that was more accurate than him was Mac Jones. So you don't usually see that out, out of Ohio State quarterbacks, period, anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good for them. Uh, and again, like I, I think the Bears made the best move of the draft here, and uh, I think he'll be their franchise quarterback. You'll have the chance to start day one. I think I know people give a lot of um, talk badly about Andy Dalton, but he's a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. Maybe not going to lead you to a Super Bowl or anything like that, but he's a game manager. He's he is done. Yeah, and I don't think it's a it's a surefire thing that Justin Fields starts week one for them. I think it would do him very well to sit a year behind Andy Dalton, as much as Bear fans probably would be screaming otherwise, but. Justin Fields isn't going to lead them to a Super Bowl next year. So if you can help him developmental-wise for that whole season, and I think they have a nice way to go. And the other part about this pick, and it seems a little obvious, but this is Matt Nagy's last chance. They need to if, – if he does play Justin Fields this season, it's playoffs or bust for him because he's known as this offensive guru, this like offensive mastermind, quarterback, whisperer, and maybe he hasn't had the tools just quite yet, but now he does. There's no – uh uh, play in the playbook that you cannot call for Justin Fields. So Matt Nagy's job is on the line here. And, but I mean, they had to make a move like this to to move the needle for their franchise.
1: You make a fair point about college program quarterbacks, right? When it comes to the Buckeyes, a lot of people say that, by the way, about Alabama as well too. Uh the AJ McCarrens and, you know, and so, and we obviously uh, Tua is, is still out there and we'll, we'll see what he does. I got to say, though, Spence, when I look at it and when I see Justin Fields, I kind of I, I I, think he's he could he could be the exception. I do. I really think that. It I mean, I, we obviously know the history of Ohio State and their quarterbacks, and they're not there. There's no one I can think about. Nobody in the NFL in the last 25, 30 years from cup, Ohio State. That, that's that's been a great NFL quarterback. But. For some reason, Spence, I'm reaching back. I'm, I'm feel. I have a feeling this could be this could be the one that breaks the ice. You know, much like like you know, much like Grant Hill was that one player that finally broke the ice at Duke that was actually a decent NBA player. You know, like it was like your Duke puts out all these great players in college basketball, and yet no one was any ever any good in the NBA until Grant Hill got there, and then they got like then up getting like seven or eight, and now they have like ten guys that were great that played at Duke. Maybe this breaks the ice, Spence.
0: Where you know you get a guy
1: at the quarterback position that comes out of Columbus, Ohio, that could be
0: a difference maker in the NFL. Yeah, and he showed such an act for improving upon himself. <laughs> he saw like from week mm-hmm. to week, he just made he did not make the same mistake twice. Which is uh, the whole idea of him not being coachable, I think was one of the most ridiculous storylines going into the NFL draft. Uh, so uh, we'll do one more storyline from the NFL draft. So mm-hmm. a little uh, personal to you, the Lions. They they take. Yeah what I believe to be the second best prospect in the draft at fifth overall. I know Lions fans aren't particularly excited about it. They would have liked the whole Justin Fields, the home run picks, but this is what I'll say. Like if the Lions had picked in Justin Fields, it may have well just ruined his career right off the bat because if you go into a team and you don't have any weapons, what happened to Sam Darnold? I mean, his his career is in shambles right now. He's kind of like on the edge. There were people talking about the Panthers potentially picking a quarterback in, in this year's draft. So you have to make sure that there's a team ready for you. I mean, look at the chiefs, like Pat Mahomes was inheriting a playoff caliber team and, you know, his skills able to elevate them even further beyond, but, Nonetheless, they had weapons available to him, and the Lions got rid of all of theirs. Seemingly, I like their running back from last year, but you know, Kenny Galladay is gone, Marvin Jones is gone as well. I think this is the responsible and one of the best moves the Lions have made in a very long time.
1: Yeah, this is a Lions franchise that is in major transition, Spence, and it seems like it's been rebuilding for years, which it kind of has, you know. But they have the big trade, obviously one of the bigger name trades. With when you send Matthew Stafford, your franchise quarterback for the last decade plus to the Rams. And then you bring in Jared Goff, someone who, you know, is, you know, say what you want. I what he's perceived as is an underachiever, right? He's perceived as a guy who hasn't lived up to, and it's tough to live up to when you're the number one overall pick, right? And you make it to a Super Bowl and you lose. I mean, the, you're going to get negative uh, attention. Let's put it that way when it comes to Jared Goff, but the weapons thing was the debate. And as far as lions fans and, and, and Detroit media is concerned, it was that it was that difficulty of do you bring in somebody that can solidify an offensive line? Let's be straight about it, too, Spence. It's never sexy. Teams don't get no. fired up. Fans don't get fired up if you take an offensive lineman in the first round. It just doesn't happen. You're not gonna get you know absolutely gassed up about that. Okay. Now, Penny Sewell is a guy who I abs- I don't think there's any question in my mind. He could be a seven, ten, year Pro Bowler. He can be that kind of guy. He can be somebody that you can just put there on your offensive line is going to be great for years to come. But I'm telling you, I'm a Lions fan. I grew up in Michigan. I know Lions fans what they were thinking after that pick. They were thinking Man, we could have got a game breaker. We could have got a Devontae Smith. We could have got a Jalen Waddle. We could have, you know, we could have got a, you know, a piece to add offensively because we don't have any. And they think in their heads, even though we have a couple weapons, but nothing really, They they, they thought in their heads, we have nobody. We have nobody there. Not obviously they discount DeAndre Swift because he was a rookie last year. I think he's going to be decent. Me too. Um and I think they rightfully discount the likes of Brashad Perriman, who they brought in obviously from the from the Ravens, and they also brought in Terrell Williams, the wide receiver who didn't even play last year for the Raiders. I think I think he, injury, yeah, yeah, he had an injury, so he basically didn't play for the Raiders. But the belief is if he, if he can come back and, and play like he did two years ago, he'll be solid. But these aren't a one receivers. Then you lose no. Galladay to the Giants, you lose Marvin Jones to the Jaguars, and so you think to yourself, what does Jared Goff have here? And What I meant by transition is new head coach, new general manager in Brad Holmes, new head coach in Dan Campbell, uh, a lot of unknowns. Okay, and so Lions fans weren't exactly overjoyed by the pick of Sewell at number five. But I think in the long run, Spence, it's going to benefit the Lions franchise down the line and they'll be able to add pieces offensively to get, you know, but I I, I still it's it, it doesn't matter, though. It's still a team that's in transition. They're expected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL next year. We're talking about the Lions and the Texans, basically, as like the two worst teams in the NFL. So, uh, you know, you, you can't really be too optimistic if you're a Lions fan right now. But. I think you can be optimistic about your number five pick this year because I think he's a guy that could stick and be uh, a good player. And and you know, a, a a cool little side note, uh, Penay Sewell growing up uh, was a Detroit Lions fan, so he wants to be there. He, and he's been he's been glowingly Pretty talking rare. about, you know what I mean? Like he he was a Lions fan, which is amazing to me. But uh, so he absolutely wants to be there, as does the uh, the number two pick. And the number three pick, they, they picked a defensive tackle out of Washington in the second round, and I believe in the fourth round was a th- third round. I think it was the third round. They picked a kid who's got a lot of upside on the uh, as far as a defensive tackle out of out of NC State that is also a Detroit Lions fan. So uh, for what it's worth, I mean it's, it's it's good to have guys that want to be a part of that organization because let's be frank about it, it's the Lions, and there's a lot of people that don't want to be part of the organization based on. The prior upper management, and based on the ownership, and based on the prior head coaches, Matt, you know Matthew Patricia was a, atrocious. So uh, overall, though, I think it was I think it was a solid pick for the Lions, and it was it was reflected in that. I mean, the experts across the board, no yeah. one had any ties to Detroit or the organization, graded it basically as an A minus or a B plus. Them taking Sewell there, at number five, so I thought it was a good thing.
0: Yeah, and you don't have to go far down the valley in Detroit to figure out that. You can't build a team in one season. The Detroit Pistons were one of the busiest teams in the offseason, and yet they are still the worst team in the NBA, if not one of the worst. You can't build a a playoff team with one go at it. You're not going to pick everybody that you need. And in some drafts, the reality of the situation (laughs) might be, the guy that you need like in that position is just not going to be there. So you might as well just get what you can get now, get somebody who you know is going to be a very good player for you. And I think that's what they did. And I I think I commend them for doing that. And I think it's a sign for them going in the right direction. I'm actually doing a mini documentary series with Brian Feldman soon about the Detroit Lions. So be sure to stay tuned for that on my Twitter at Spencer the Wiz uh, and on my YouTube channel delivering sports. Uh, one more topic here. I want to talk a little bit of basketball because I, mm-hmm. I, I find it very interesting, and that's LeBron James. I'll play some of his comments from last night first, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, LeBron is one of the funniest people alive to me. Um. Well, it doesn't matter at the end
1: of the day if I'm not, uh, you know, 100 close to 100. It don't matter, you know, where we land, you know. So, uh, you know, that's my mindset, and um, you know, if this happens to. Uh, we end up at six or fifth or, or or whatever the case may be, or if we end up in the, you know, the playoff, uh, whatever that thing
0: is. Wh- whoever came up with that sh- uh, need to be fired. Um, but whatever. Um, you know, the first half it does a, um, it feels really good. I'm obviously warming up for the game. You know, got you know everything is going well. Um, you know, in the last two games, the halftime. You know, after the break. You know, it's kind of i gotten a little sore on me, um, a little tight. So, uh, yeah, th- that, that was LeBron James on his soapbox. Of course, he loves to do that. He's on Twitter all the time now. And first, let me just say this. I can separate LeBron as a player from the person. I, LeBron is the most entertaining basketball player in the world to watch. I mean, it's just you, you can never – you're not never going to get your money's worth watching that guy on the court if you go to see a game or if you watch it on TV. It's not, He's not going to waste your time when he's out there. He's going to give his full effort. But when you do stuff like this – it really looks pretty bad on you because at the beginning of the season, when this thing was unanimously voted in, let's not even say the beginning, let's say when it was voted unanimously. And the only people who had a problem with it, by the way, were the seventh-seeded Dallas Mavericks. But the the problem is LeBron didn't come out and say anything during that time. But now when they're sliding, suddenly it's an issue, and whoever made it needs needs to be fired. I mean, he, he... This is the problem I think LeBron James has is that he has so many people around him that tell him yes all the time. Like they don't tell him that what he's saying is ludicrous. And I think that comes from being a mega celebrity at a high school age. And I think as he's gotten older, it's only gotten worse as he's a billionaire now from his billion dollar contract with Nike. No one has around him to keep this guy like afloat to like to say no to him to say like, dude, what are you saying right now? You look so stupid. First of all, calling for someone to be fired during the in the middle of like a pandemic, you want to call it now? I know like he doesn't actually have the ability to do that, but th- that's a very serious thing to say in my in my opinion. To just throw that out because you're upset because your team's sliding to say something like that. He just th- he looks very silly. He is
1: the face of the NBA, so I hesitate to want to just. Have this go in one ear and out the other, but it probably should be Spence, because let's be straight about this. This is all about timing. That's all this is about right now. Because make no mistake about it. I you know, LeBron James or Anthony Davis or Caruso or you know, Kuzma or any of the Lakers, nobody upon nobody was talking about any of this at the beginning of the season. You know why, Spence? Because they all expected to be a number one or a number two seed in the Western Conference going into the playoffs, okay? they never... This is all about timing, okay? And, oh, by the way, when I say timing, I'm talking about the other night when they got bounced by the Toronto Raptors, right? And they lose that game. Or was it the Toronto Raptors or was it?
0: A shorthanded Toronto Raptors. It was the
1: Raptors that beat them. And it just so happened that they slipped into the discussion into the spot yeah. where, you know, it was going to get dicey here at the end of the season where they could possibly be in that play in situation. And then that's all of a sudden when LeBron James popped off, I echo a lot of what you just said regarding LeBron James. I'm somebody that absolutely admires him from a basketball standpoint. He is unique. He is spectacular. He is one of the all time greats, but he absolutely positively makes mistakes when it comes to issues like this. And, and, you know, look, he made a mistake when he did that stupid sit down where he said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach and join Miami instead of just doing it, you know, on the down low and just going there. Um, that was a mistake that he made. And this is a mistake, too. And I echo your sentiments regarding, you know, talking about getting somebody canned during a pandemic is ridiculous. OK, but the I, I think I, I want to say to LeBron to his face, I'm like, LeBron. You're bigger than this, okay? You shouldn't be going down this road. You shouldn't even be talking about this, okay? Let it go. Stay away from it. Don't go anywhere near it. And you brought up, uh, you know, the people around. Do you have any people that are uh, advising you regarding your public relations and regarding, you know, regarding your public image? Because you yeah. are going to get you're, you're getting killed for this, and rightfully so, because you shouldn't be commenting on this. If your team is in a position where Let's, for example, I'll throw out scenarios. You get you get hurt, right? Which you are, you're injured. You're probably not gonna play the rest of the regular season. You know, now Dennis Schroeder's injured. He's not gonna play, looks like, for the rest of the regular season. All right. There is a situation that the Lakers may end up in that in that position where they have to play in those play-in games, you know, and and, and have to kind of grind their way through the through the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, you know, just deal with it and and do it. Don't don't, you know, bitch and moan about it and say, you know, well, I don't think there should be this way. Uh, you know, when the season's about to end and and when you guys were nowhere to be found, when as Spence pointed out, it was a unanimous decision. It was a done deal. Nobody back there, nobody, and no players, by the way, were bitching to the media saying, oh, back then, this is this is this is, this whole thing's stupid. It shouldn't even they, they, you know, people should get bounced out for making this decision. Nobody ever made never, nobody ever talked about. We didn't hear anything about that. But now all of a sudden, because they lost that game and they got, you know, they're they're in that position, now all of a sudden LeBron cares. It 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 reeks of just uh it, it, it's just it's just bad. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What to say. It, it, it makes LeBron look bad. And it's another bad decision on his part. Uh, is it uh, is it life or death? Absolutely not. It's not really life no. or death, but it's 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 not a road he should have went down. Let's put it that way. Spence.
0: Yeah. And I think the playing game is objectively a great thing for the NBA now I think they can yeah. restructure and I think they can make it better and that's a conversation for another time because uh, we are out of time today but I wanted to thank you for joining the show today I had mm-hmm. a lot of fun a lot of great conversation there's so much going on in the world of sports but uh, you can follow him uh, Christian Wynn that is on Twitter at Christian Wynn you can follow me on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz uh, yeah thanks for joining <laughs> I appreciate it thanks Spence yeah so also make sure to give me a follow on YouTube at, uh, Blue Milk Boys Gaming you look it up that's my main YouTube channel although you can also go on delivering sports for exclusive interviews before they I show them live on my show. But on that, that's going to do it for today's uh, broadcast. uh, And I'll see you guys next time.